Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Will Reed. He is founder and CEO at Canna Planners. We're going to talk to him about how cannabis-based businesses can really focus on building brands, getting the message out there, developing leads, clients. Uh, it's just it's a fascinating part of the cannabis space, just because it is sort of complicated <laughs> in terms of what you can do and what you can't do in terms of marketing and advertising. And I just think building a brand is uh, so critical now that we're kind of in this growth phase of the industry. I think it's just going to be a huge factor as new markets come in or new segments come into the market, as new people start to think about and use cannabis. You know, folks that don't necessarily have familiarity and kind of history with cannabis, it's going to be very, very kind of brand based, I think, as, as companies kind of figure out how to develop relationships with customers. It's, it's going to be key. So I'm excited for the conversation. With that, Will, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. Appreciate it. Psyched to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So before we kind of dig into kind of what you're doing in cannabis today, give us a little bit of the backstory. Professionally, what were you doing? How did cannabis come up? Give us, uh, give us a little insight. Yeah, well, without going back to birth, you know, uh, in my <laughs> professional history, I actually started in music. So, you know, I started a band in college, which I think at the time I had no idea was 
an entrepreneurial sort of adventure, but yeah. it, it for sure was. It Absolutely. took me, you know, this is obviously in my early 20s. I'm now 40, but it took me all over the country, luckily. So I got to see a lot of, a lot of parts of the world, not the yeah, world, fun. but the country, meet lots of people and, and play music. And I did that for a few years before moving to New York, where I worked for Apple. That's where I got my kind of real, quote, professional start, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid of, of the Apple uh, brand <laughs> and, yeah. and really understanding. I think that's really where I first understood the important, you know, Apple's Apple's Apple, but you know, this is around the time of, I think I started when the first iPad was launched or maybe, yeah, okay. yeah, around then. So, you know, it was super exciting and the whole idea about packaging and the unboxing experience and the, the retail experience, these were all like words and phrases I'd never heard before. But mm -hmm. once I did, it made complete sense. Yeah. So from there, I kind of, I eventually got in New York when I got married and uh, moved up to Vermont and I started really planning the early stages of, of what would become Canna Planners. Mm -hmm. And what was the motivation? Like, I mean, other than kind of looking for kind of yeah. the next gig and the next phase of the career, like why Canna Planners, why cannabis? What was the connection there? Sure. Well, I think like, I mean, this isn't an uncommon story for cannabis entrepreneurs, which is like, you know, I see it, people email me and I see it in comment threads, like, how do I get into the cannabis industry? You know, it's not like, well, of course, now it is there's there's companies like Vangst and I can go find a job or, yeah. you know, like the job search is a little difficult. So it was a lot of like, I mean, a lot of it was just really kind of personal in that the nine to five gig is fine. It wasn't for me. And yeah. I needed to have some autonomy in my life, but also like, frankly, just step up my responsibility as a human. So to answer your question about why cannabis, I'm sure like many of your cannabis guests, like, yeah. you know, I was a, uh, a passionate, <laughs> a passionate user of cannabis for a majority of my life. When I moved to Vermont, it was, it was right before decriminalization happened. It was right after medical had passed. So there were a couple medical dispensaries in Vermont. It had just decriminalized. So there were all these things that were leading me to think about it in a more entrepreneurial way. Like, how do I get into this? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, a, again, a common entry point for a lot of people who are having this question is maybe the most obvious thing, which is retail. I'll start a dispensary. Yeah. I'll grow weed, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Let me start <laughs> you know, growing. And, yeah, yeah. And having come from Apple and, and really understanding, again, the, the retail and customer experience and how that's important, I really thought that that would be you know, kind of a revolutionary thing. So my first step was I got on a plane and went to Denver because it was already happening. And I guess this was in... 2012, maybe, I was flabbergasted with the customer and packaging, just, just the, the, and, the and that it was so amazing for you? No, it was, <laughs> it was the opposite of that. <laughs> it lent a huge credibility to another idea I was having, which is, you know, being a provider of services. So walking into a few dispensaries, uh, well, not a few, but many dispensaries in Colorado and feeling still in a completely legal state, still feeling like a criminal, you know, yeah. feeling a little icky in the whole process. And every, you know, I even, I can remember buying a pre-roll and it came in a Ziploc bag and I was like, this is so weird. And it had like a white Avery label on it with like the green cross and mm -hmm. some offensive font, <laughs> you know, just like, blah. it was, yeah. it was horrible. Now, of course, everything actually does look like an Apple store. So things have changed, you know, everything kind of med men has been a pioneer in kind of 
yeah. <laughs> usurping that customer experience. But back then, it was just so evident that there was an opportunity to help make this industry or make businesses within this industry look good. <laughs> just yeah. to say it to yeah, state, feel good. You know? Yeah, no, just the, to look good and feel good. I mean, so when I came back to Vermont, I kind of embedded myself as best I could. You know, I would not classify myself as a cannabis advocate, a political cannabis advocate, but I mm-hmm. did what I could at the time. You know, I would be at the state house in Montpelier. I would I would be doing what whatever I could to involve myself, not only with the existing sort of community of peers who were like-minded and were also sort of trying to figure out where they fit into this whole thing, but also to like enact change. Like that was really important to me. Like from a business perspective, I wanted this to, to happen. And from a human perspective, I wanted this to happen. I mean, lest we get into the social injustices that have that have kind of plagued the American people when it comes to cannabis for the last, whatever, 120 years, like yeah. it's, it's an abomination. So really, from a creative standpoint, I saw an opportunity, really, in just doing what we could do to push normalization. So just removing a lot of things that might classically be seen as as tools of stigma, you know, like a, a even a pot leaf, which is harmless when you think about it. It's a leaf. You know, it's drawn these associations, not just the pot leaf. There's plenty of things that I can talk about, but there's a number of icons and images that have sort of strengthened the stigma and pigeonholed the the pre-existing industry or what it was before it was what it is now yeah. to something, you know, it just pigeonholed it. It kept it where it was. So in understanding that, hey, this thing is state by state, you know, these dominoes are falling, like this is going to happen. And there's a much wider swath of consumer base than just, you know, stoners like me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah traditional pop culture. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like there's, and furthermore, like a lot of that marketplace doesn't exist because the war on drugs kind of worked in a lot of yeah. ways. Like, like it brainwashed a whole lot of people. So in starting this business, I felt that it was super important to do whatever it is we could to kind of take this out of the shadows and, and show that it's a pretty harmless thing. Yeah. Oh, well, and it's a new industry and it's going to evolve and grow and sort of shaping it in different ways. Yep. It's going to be important, particularly as, as things mature. For um, sure. And that's even like, that's kind of like the scary part that I love the most, right? Because <laughs> despite states' rights, like it's still federally illegal. So there's that, right? Mm-hmm. At any point, the federal government could be like, hey guys, that was fun. You're done. And that's a real possibility until it isn't. And we're for sure steps are being made despite even where this country is politically right now. Like everything happens very slowly. It is happening. Yeah. So that's a fear. But the thing that I love about that, Bruce, that you're kind of touching on is like, this is a new industry. Like, I don't have a book to read on this. You know, there's, there's, mm. I have plenty of peers, but I have no, you know, no one to draw inspiration from it in terms of like how to do this because no one's really ever done that. People have done what I'm doing plenty of times, but not the way we're doing it in this industry. Yeah. So being able to scale with the industry as the industry scales is like, really fun. <laughs> it's super fun. Yeah. 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 It's, exciting. it's like, Oh, Hey, guess what? Vermont just went legal this, you know, last week, let's start doing our outreach. It's all mm-hmm. about that. So we can focus on a state. And when the next date goes, we focus on that one. It all happens. Yeah. Well, similar position for me, you know, as, uh, you know, one of the reasons I got into it, it's just, it, it, it's just, it's so needed, you know, as, as the industry grows, you know, the whole idea of developing a, a real kind of strategy and positioning and developing a leadership team, management team, executing on that, using the tools, 
tools and the systems and the frameworks that we use in all these other industries, actually bringing them to cannabis is, is quite novel. And so I think a lot of service providers that have worked with businesses in other industries, it's just fascinating coming into an industry that's so new and still forming. It's it's kind of nascent and still kind of figuring out a structure. That. To be part yeah, of it is, is, is fun. Yeah, totally. I guess cool. I should give extra context to your listeners because I went through that whole thing and realized that I didn't even say what it is we really do. Yes, well, I was gonna, I was gonna have you do that next. So tell us. So, what are you doing in the cannabis space at this point? Totally. So, Canapoint. So, I came back to Vermont after that trip, and I started Canapointers. What's Canapointers? Mm-hmm. So, we're a creative design, web, and digital marketing agency. Uh-huh. So, really, our pillars of services revolve around helping brands actualize what their brand is, not to sound redundant, but like, you know, so creatively, you know, we have creative people who design logos and packaging for products and things people put their brand on, sides Mm -hmm. of trucks, billboards on the highway, whatever, like we make all that stuff. And then from there, we can support our clients through their digital presence. So we have our own platform that we've built through the WordPress platform. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got our own little system for building websites, which we fully manage in-house. We design them. They're either turnkey or they're custom, totally unique. But we build the websites and we we manage them post-launch. You know, so we host them, we make sure they're safe and secure and, and do the thing that they're supposed to do. And then we're right now we're our biggest digital marketing service is SEL, although, you know, we're growing into to new sectors as well. So yeah. social and email and all that stuff. Got it. And yeah. what um, any particular types of cannabis companies that you're primarily focused on or give us a sense of your market segment? Uh, not that we're primarily focused on, but I would say that we really want to service the entire industry. Like if you're in it, I'm with you. You know, that's kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. that's kind of the prerequisite for in our sales sort of process. Are yeah. you working in the industry in some capacity? Yes, great. Let's do something. Because I again, like there's a million website companies out there. There's lots of big competitors of mine even who have total market share, but being able to be an expert in these services and in the industry that we sell these services, I think is like the biggest value add to our clients. So yeah. to answer your question, like the most, we're generally making websites for CBD brands, lots of dispensaries and THC products. Mm-hmm. So brands, retail, that sort of thing. Got it. And what are people really trying to do with websites these days in cannabis? Like what's the main intent? What's the focus? What's the strategic value of putting together a website for a cannabis company these days? Yeah, well, so I think herein lies kind of going back to what we were talking about before, like scaling with the industry. Like a part of that is not just you know, the, the proliferation of businesses, cannabis businesses, it's actually like edgy. And I don't want to generalize, but there's a good deal of our clients, people interested in this industry who may not have the same sort of business acumen as people who threw themselves into kind of, you know, the nine to five world or more traditional non-cannabis businesses. So there's a lot of education on our end during the sales process, um, which is why, you know, sometimes our sales process is super quick or very long. Like it doesn't, it's not in the middle, right? (laughs) Like, because people, People have to understand, even though the investment into a website or an SEO campaign, I would say is for sure affordable <laughs> and has a very strong ROI, that they're at the onset, it's a big decision to make, right? So understanding and trying to contextualize the ROI of a website to a person who maybe has never built a website before yeah. or had to have a website built for them before is, you know, it's part of the gig. I was going to say it's challenging. It's not challenging. It's just part of the gig. Yeah. So, you know, it goes back to that normalization. Like we want these businesses to operate like any other business because why would wouldn't they? You know, like, why wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, 
I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons right now in cannabis they wouldn't. Sure, yeah, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but you know, helping them sort of see the benefit or, or you know, le- leverage the benefit that other companies and other industries have gained from, you know, developing web presence and figuring out how to actually connect with customers in a different way, build a brand, you know, position themselves and stuff. I mean, that's clearly, you know, websites have played a key role in that for lots of other industries. And yeah, I think it's and, just and coming on cannabis. Let's, you know, let's remind our listeners what age we're living in. You know, whenever they're listening to this podcast, we're, there's a pandemic and yeah. all of these businesses, you know, there's a lot of people out of work right now. There's a lot of people who have had to fundamentally on a dime completely change that they've operated their businesses as a result of social distancing and, mm-hmm. and whatever, all of these things. So being able to be a support to our clients during this time when it's like, hey, Will, how do we like do curbside pickup at a dispensary well let's figure it out let's do it you know so being able to support all these people and also i'd add to that that people are entrepreneurial like crazy during downtimes you Mm -hmm. know the last recession the great depression like there's a lot of companies that we all use and even use on the regular that sprung forth from bad times. Yeah. Uh, and that's happening now. Like we're insanely busy, insanely yeah. way more than I thought we would be. You know, I was pretty scared at the beginning of this. We definitely all were and some of us still are, but it's waters we've never tread before. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, just being kind of unprecedented kind of, times. Yeah. And like, just, I think like, I think that, that I hope that there's value to specifically, I'm talking about us right now, but to our clients about in the way that we're handling this, which is head on. We're going to get through this and that's the way it is. And you're coming with us. So like, don't be scared. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Don't be Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So I'm curious as you, when you first kind of launched the business or when you first decided, Hey, look, yeah. I, I think I can provide, bring my experience uh, from a brand, from a customer experience, from a retail experience point of view to the cannabis industry. Like how did you actually go from that idea to actually establishing the company for a couple of customers? What was that early stage like for you? Totally. This is an awesome question that I love to answer because what you're really asking me, Bruce, is like, like, how did you have the courage? And I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm courageous. I'm not. But like, to your point, <laughs> how did like, the delusional idea yeah, that I'm you not. could actually do this? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like there for I think a lot of everybody I've ever met, you know, for sure, but like yeah. lots of entrepreneurs that I talk to on a, on a regular basis, like this is scary. <laughs> this yeah. is scary to do, you know? So by virtue of just like getting up and putting your pants on and, or whatever, and go, you know, heading out the door and saying, all right, I'm going to yeah. put myself in a situation that yesterday's me would have found very uncomfortable. So to actually answer your question, I forced myself to do things that I'd never do, like go to networking events and like mm-hmm. hang out with, you know, cannabis people during conferences. I would go to these things and I'd force myself to, to go up to booths and say, hey, I'm Will. I'm from Planners. Just really jump into the fire. So the answer to your question, I think like you're asking, like, how did you take that entrepreneurial first step? Yeah. I held a gun to my head, not literally, and said, you're doing this. Uh, and I did it and that was it. And I, you know, like I, it's such a, like doing it the first time and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. You know? And then someone's like, wants a contract from you, Mm. you know, Whoa, like that's the craziest feeling. It's such a, it's such an amazing feeling. Like it gives you such good, uh, good self-esteem, you know? So I really just did it. Specifically, what I did was I started to go to NECAN, NECAN yeah. events, so trade shows and like BizCon. I'd go visit hemp farmers because that was a new thing in Vermont at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and that's really what fundamentally changed the business for me or really kicked it in the butt in the initial stages was hemp being the farm bill passing and, and all of my friends who are farmers are now growing hemp. 
yeah. and building brands. Any surprises for you? I mean, I, I guess I'm always curious, like what was easier than you thought and what was harder than you thought in those, in those early days? The faking it till you're making it, like that was pretty easy because I, you know, prior to Canna Planners and b- between Apple and Canna Planners, I had worked for a web agency. Yeah. So I had a, a sales process. I knew what it would take ter- in terms of an investment from me to build out the platform um, the way that I thought could be easily scalable and, and pretty simple. So that was pretty difficult. I would say the thing that has been like, has led to the most sleepless nights was when our payment merchants basically all quit on the same day. So all of my clients at the time, there wasn't many, there was maybe 30 or so. They all got a 30 day notice at the same time square started and then immediately stopped as a result of like just the volume they got their cbd pilot program Mm -hmm. so bruce i booked myself a plane ticket when people used you know this is during the time when people used to fly Mm -hmm. (laughs) i booked myself a plane ticket went out to san francisco and got some meetings with people at Square because they weren't taking CBD clients anymore. And I basically yeah. pitched Canna Planners to them. And that pitch is a lot of what we're talking about now, but basically that, hey, you don't need to be, this shouldn't be scary for you. We're going to do a lot of the work of, of vetting these clients, making sure that they're legit, that making sure that they're not abusing your terms of service or whatever. Like we wanted to really create that partnership yeah. and thank God, they bought it. So because they had shut it down immediately, we were still the only entry point to Square at that point. And it was like another crazy benefit to our company. The only way you can get on Square is if you got a Canna Planners website. Of course, that's not really the case at all anymore. But for like six months, it was. And it was awesome. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a great like identifying like a strategic advantage, right? Like you knew this is something your your customers really needed. They couldn't really get it anywhere else. You know, taking the initiative to, to actually establish that partnership. I mean, I, you know, as a strategic coach, <laughs> like yeah. I would say, that was a key move. Well, um, and it goes back to the last question you asked, you know, it was like, it, that was scary. I was in a room with people half my age making three times what I was making a year, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> making huge decisions about really like the, the, the future of the entire CBD industry, because the only other options are, you know, and I'm speaking in general terms, mm-hmm. not specific, but shady kind of high risk payment gateways that summer fly by night. And there's a yeah. lot of them and um, they don't offer the same kind of customer service that I demand of any of our partners or even ourselves. Yeah. What do you think got them to agree to that? Like, what was it about your pitch? What was it about you? That I'm incredibly like- charming, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> well, clearly, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously very good looking because this is audio only. <laughs> yes, I have, I have a face for podcasting. Yeah. I think the amount of volume that they received was frightening to them because of kind of some of the obvious things facing even the hemp industry, which is till the farm bill, this is still kind of shady and probably yeah. it's weed, you know, like, yeah. so I think that they're not, obviously I'm making an obvious statement, but they're not a small company, man. Like this is a humongous yeah. Silicon Valley tech company like it's exactly what you think of when you close your eyes like i was in a boardroom with like it was weird it was, it was surreal it was like a, yeah. a a scene out of silicon valley the the show on hbo but it was it was kind of like that so it was about kind of relating to them and and really having them understand what i'm trying to do beyond build a website you know like that's just a vehicle to you know get this thing to be a, a more accessible just you know for, for, for the consumer market 
Yeah. yeah and they got that. You know, I, I don't think that that was lost on them. Yeah. How has that evolved now? I mean, where, where are things now in terms of having some of these facilities, capabilities that other industries have? Are we, are we at parity? Are we still behind? What's your take? Hmm. That's a good question. I think that, yeah, we're definitely behind for sure. I mean, if we're just talking marketing, we haven't even touched on that yet, like yeah. digital marketing. You know, there's a lot of work to do. Facebook wants nothing to do with us. You know, Google ads wants nothing to do with us. And that uh, both is understandable and sucky because, yeah. of course, like I'm saying, we want the same opportunities that any industry might have. With that said, and going back to kind of the thing I said earlier about scaling with, with the industry is like, you know, the problem solving, I love that stuff, man. Like that stuff's so fun. And so when new challenges are met, like the square thing and everything we've kind of faced since, even now during COVID, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. Like it's eat what you kill. So like, let's go hunting, you know, let's figure yeah. this out or we're going to be dead in the water. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, and, and more importantly, so are our clients. You know, like that's the most important thing because and we haven't really talked about customer service, but like that at the end of the day, one of the most, you know, I've said a lot of things are the most important thing to me, but one of the probably most important things to me is that we're giving good customer service because again, not something you generally get in this industry yet. So we're trying to change the way that people work with, with their vendors and, and, and all that stuff. So yeah, we're beholden to our clients for sure. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about your approach to customer service. I mean, I, you know, obviously your your background and kind of sensitivity and experience with creating a great customer experience and a customer yeah. service model. What have you been able to kind of transfer in terms of previous skills into cannabis? I guess what have you not been able to totally. transfer? So I think so when I worked at Apple in New York, I was tasked and I think this is, you know, cuz I like I said I started be in a band. Mm -hmm. Right? So my bosses all thought that I had some sort of skill with dealing with certain people. So I worked at the cube, you know, and I would work with celebrities, right? And I oh, think, interesting. you know, so I'd work with my heroes and I, I'm a hippie way down. So I got to work with Trey was one of my customers from fish and mm -hmm. Phil Lesh from the dead and Lou Reed, man. Like I got to work with Lou Reed. Oh my God. It's crazy. I'm so, so like, jealous. anyway, like I think, and, and I worked with a lot of these people, multiple, multiple, David Blaine, like multiple, multiple times. Yeah. Right. And I think as a, and I would turn around and there'd be, you know, my coworkers and, and other guests who were doing what, you know, people do, which is stare and want autographs <laughs> and want to like say, tell, you know, them their story about whatever. Yeah. And I think the reason I was chosen for that and the reason I was good at it was because, you know, deep down inside, I was that guy. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> <Lou Yeah. Reed." laughs> but like, no one wants to hear that. No one yeah, wants exactly. to, you know, like there's a huge value in being an empathetic human. Okay. Yeah. So that is stuck with me forever. So whenever I'm hiring somebody or I'm even like deciding whether I want to work with a company, like, is there a level of empathy that I can feel, right? Mm -hmm. Can I see that you are going to understand, you know, whether you're an employee or you're dealing with me as on the client level, like, do you have the skills it takes to empathize with the person on the other end of the phone? Can I say that I have walked in their shoes or that at least I can understand what that could be like, mm -hmm. right? We're not always totally successful at it, but I think like that's the most important thing. It's like customer service is not answering the phone. It's not saying that the customer is right mm -hmm. all the time because this may come as a shock to your listeners, but they're almost never right. Mm -hmm. So it's about being empathetic and working through solutions that make sense, but also 
doesn't make a person feel like an idiot. You know, like, yeah, exactly. that's yeah, totally respect. So, and that's it. Yeah. It's, are we cool? Can we be cool people? And even as we scale up and become bigger and start servicing more and more clients from more and more demographics and areas of the country, like, can we be cool? Yeah. It seems so silly and apropos of the cannabis industry, like that's kind of what you'd expect a cannabis entrepreneur <laughs> guy to say. <laughs> if anything, you know, they gotta be cool. Yeah. In in my strive for normalization, like I still want people to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. As you've built the business, what are some of the challenges? I mean, uh, has it been people? Has it been marketing? Has it been leads? Has it been operations? Where where do you yeah, struggle? All of it. All of it. <laughs> I, I love them all. So like most recently it's it's been operations and sales. Like we've been really trying to use this like I said, we, we're busier than we ever have been. Mm-hmm. And lit, but it's still kind of different busy than we were last year, right? Yeah. So we've still had some time to reflect and say, well, how can we improve on on certain things? Like what can we do to throw some gas on this fire too and, and grow even more? So it's about you know have to start thinking outside of your core group of founders. Yeah. So that's what we were doing. We started hiring some people, you know, and, and it's been great. It's been great. Um, yeah. yeah. Working on um, sales for sure. Like trying to figure that whole, whole thing out is a bear for sure. Yeah. But I, it's fun. I, well, I think that's true for every growing company. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Even if you're in a, you know, a growing industry with lots of opportunities, you know, getting that right, dialing that in, you know, finding the best possible customer and targets is always, it's always a challenge. It's for sure that, but it's also like for us, it's the, we haven't written this book yet. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're living it right now. We're, you know, not to over metaphorize, but we're building the bridge as we're crossing it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like when the new salesperson comes in, I can say, here's exactly how we do things. Here's yeah, your scripts. Here's a, here's a list yeah. of people to go, go, you know, hunt, whatever. It's a little bit more jazz. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Well, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about what you do, what's yeah. the best way to get that information? I would love for them to uh, find out more about me and what I do. They can find us online at canaplanners.com. That's C-A-N-N-A-P-L-A-N-N-E-R-S.com. You can find us on the socials. Yeah, follow us <laughs> at Instagram, yeah. uh, at canaplanners. <laughs> And then, you know, if you want to reach out to me directly, I'd love for you to. It's just Will, W-I-L-L, at com. Great. I'll make sure all that is in the show notes so people can click through and get that info. Well, there's been cool. a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Likewise, Bruce. I appreciate it. I'll do it again. I love talking shop. Awesome. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.